Welcome to the Marketing AI Show, the podcast that helps your business grow smarter by making artificial intelligence approachable and actionable. You'll hear from top authors, entrepreneurs, researchers, and executives as they share case studies, strategies, and technologies that have the power to transform your business and your career. My name is Paul Reitzer. I'm the founder of Marketing AI Institute, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us for episode 13 of the Marketing AI Show. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to tell you about our AI for CMOs series sponsor, Persado. Designed for data-driven leaders, Persado's AI content generation and decisioning platform unlocks enterprise growth through language personalization at every customer touchpoint. Persado leverages the power of AI and machine learning to generate content, surface deep customer insights, and personalize language at scale for results that will transform your business. Learn more at persado.com. That's P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com. Now, on to the show. All right, welcome to the Marketing AI Show. This episode is part of our AI for CMO series presented by Persado. The idea behind the series is to tell the story of AI and digital transformation through the experiences of CMOs from diverse backgrounds who are leading the understanding and adoption of AI in their organizations. While AI is forecasted of trillions of dollars in annual impact on businesses, many marketers are just beginning to explore how it can impact their careers and organizations and trying to figure out how to get started. Stories like we'll hear today from today's guests gives us an inside look at what it's like to pilot and scale AI and marketing. I am honored and to be joined today by Andrea Brimmer, the Chief Marketing and PR Officer for Ally. Andrea was recognized by Forbes last year as one of the 50 most influential CMOs in the world. That's a big deal. Welcome, Andrea. I had to show it in print to my parents for them to believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. I know you've got some accolades. We'll go through some of the other ones. That wasn't your first recognition for the work you've done. But I always love to start with the origin story and kind of go back. And I know you're a big Michigan State Booster fan, alumni, very proud alum there. Um, Go Green, that's for sure. Yeah. And you were advertising major. So I want to talk why advertising, like what led you into advertising in college, and then talk a little bit about the early days of your careers. I think you worked at an ad agency then once you you left Michigan State. Yeah. The origin story is nowhere near the present day story. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast talking about something called AI. When, <laughs> when I started the agency business, we were like, my first job was routing key lines for catalogs for Chevrolet <laughs> that were going to be printed and shipped <laughs> by the millions to uh, car dealerships. So it's quite a transformation over time. But yeah, I, I, to your point, Paul, I went to Michigan State. I wanted to be in advertising ever since I was a little kid. I've always been fascinated by brands and what makes people fall in love with brands and why we'll pay a premium price for something that has the exact same functionality as something else. Like you fast forward to today, you know, why there's the Samsung versus Apple wars. Like, you know, if somebody's got a green phone, do you date them or don't you date them? <laughs> if their messages come up green. Versus That's funny. Blue. I actually hadn't heard of that. I know the anger that comes from that when someone breaks the text thread and you got five people on it and one of them is not on the... Yeah. Totally. You're just like, oh God, you know, I can't text you from the air because you're green, damn it. And so... It was just something that always intrigued me and something that always interested me. I went to Michigan State, you know, I was a huge fan of Michigan State, but additive to that, I actually played soccer and I was recruited to go play up there and I played varsity soccer for four years at Michigan State on the women's team. And 
went through the communication arts and sciences school. And then when I graduated, I really wanted to work on a big brand. I just wanted to work on a big iconic brand. I didn't care what it was, but a big, you know, whether it was Coca-Cola or Delta or you name it, didn't care. I just wanted to work on a big brand. And I was fortunate enough to land on the Chevrolet brand at Campbell Ewald here in Detroit, which made things easy. And, you know, just kind of worked my way through the organization, held a myriad of different roles until ultimately I was running the account. And I was actually the first woman and the youngest person to ever run the Chevrolet account in the, yeah, in the 90 plus year history that the Campbell Ewald had the account. So it was kind of cool. And, you know, learned every single aspect of the business as I kind of earned my keep while moving through the ranks at Campbell Ewald. And then you moved over to, was it GMAC at the time when you moved over in 2006? It was. I was okay. recruited by the president of GMAC. They had just been spun off from GM. It was during the bankruptcy. And believe it or not, they didn't have a marketing department. So they were creating a marketing department kind of from the ground up. And I was recruited over to run brand. I wasn't recruited as the CMO. There was a CMO in place, a new CMO in place, actually a Cleveland guy. And I was brought over as brand executive. And my first assignment was go create this new brand. We got to come to market really fast. We can't come to market as General Motors Acceptance Corporation. We're going to be a whole new kind of company. We're going to market to consumers now. We're going to do business with every kind of dealer that's out there, auto dealer, we need a new name. We need a new brand identity. We need to build something from the ground up. And oh, by the way, we're going to launch this digital bank, which if you think about it, we launched the same year that the iPhone launched. So we made this giant All of 07? Is that, yeah. yeah. We made this giant bet that everybody was going to bank in the palm of their hand. That's crazy. Um, so it was really a fascinating opportunity. And here, little known fact, I took a pay cut to go because I thought it was such a cool opportunity and I wanted to go do it. So when, when young people ask me like, should I always move for money? I'm like, I actually took a pretty sizable pay cut to go do this because I thought it was so interesting. You saw, you looked out and saw mobile as the future. I mean, at that point you were really looking at and thinking, wow, that's pretty, yeah. I mean, it's hard for some people, especially the younger generation to think back to like 2006, but whenever I give talks at university, I just did one not too long ago at Ohio university where I came from. And you're standing there in front of these kids and you're like explaining it and and like, yeah, you know, like social media wasn't actually a thing. Like that was 2006. And and then the iPhone was 2007. Like the world changed after that. And then I'm like, when were you all born? Like, I know. And they're like, oh, 2002. I'm like, oh, God. Like, it's so. I know. I was watching a movie the other night and I, they were just, you know, they were like doing the dialogue on AOL in the movie. And I was like, I even forgot about that. I forgot about how hard it was. Now we get frustrated if, you know, our little wheel spinning for more than 10 seconds and we disconnect and go to another site. So it's amazing how far we've come. (laughs) Yeah. One, for people who aren't familiar with Ally, I actually, I just bought a new car and I I have Ally. Um, (laughs) So, which is cool. And the experience has actually been really seamless. I really enjoy it. But that was actually my first real exposure to the brand. I mean, I'm familiar with the brand, obviously, but hadn't been a customer, hadn't really thought about it. What does Ally do for people who aren't familiar, maybe know for one thing and not the other? What does the organization do? Well, now we got to get you to open a bank account, Paul. So hopefully by the end of this, I'll have convinced you. (laughs) So we're really the only full-scale digital financial services company really in the country. We do everything from auto loans. As you mentioned, we do business with over 20,000 dealers 
across the country and we make auto loans both on a direct and an indirect basis as well as finance dealer inventory, their buildings, all that kind of good stuff. But the consumer side of our business, we are a full-scale bank. So we've got savings products, checking products, we've got a new credit card, we offer mortgages, and we have an invest platform, both self-directed and managed portfolios. And we've got a personal lending part of our organization as well. And I think that the difference is no branches, no brick and mortar, 100% digital, whether you're getting a mortgage through us or whether you're getting a lending product through us, it can be done all in the palm of your hand. And we're talking about 8,500 plus employees, sound about 10, right? Yeah, we're actually over 10,000 now. We're 10,500 employees. We're a top 25 bank. We have about $150 billion in retail deposits, over 10 million customers now. So, you know, we've come a long way from 2007 and that origin story of spinning out of GM's bankruptcy to where we are today and what we've built. And it's an incredibly powerful brand. Our sentiment in the financial services category is in the high 90s in terms of positive sentiment. We're three times the category. And, and really, everything's been built around the mantra of do it right and putting the customer at the center of every single conversation and, and really living by those deeds, not words, and trying to solve for customer pain points, which was the whole reason for the solution to begin with. I love when I dug into the brand a little bit coming in, saw the Do It Right campaign and the origin of that brand, and then the involvement with the Women's Soccer League and NASCAR. And it sounds like a very human-focused organization, like trying yeah. to do good in the community, work with organizations that you care about as a brand. I mean, I was intrigued to learn more about the organization coming into this, and I appreciate yeah. that. No, very much so. I mean, when we started the brand, this notion of being a good citizen of the world was there from the get. And I know it's pretty popular now, but it's been part of who and what we've been about since we began. And it guides a lot of our decisions. Like you mentioned, National Women's Soccer League, you know, we were an early adopter there. And not only are we a partner of the league, but we did a deal with the Players Association as well, which is pretty rare to be on both sides of the coin because we felt like the players needed support, especially through everything that they went through last year with a lot of, you know, scandals kind of riddling what was happening to the players. So just a big part of how we're driven and really an, an ethos that comes down from JB, who's our CEO, and this idea of, you know, he always says financial services that truly serve. And that's really what guides us. I guess. And so for the, our marketing ad conference, which I think I had mentioned to you when we were connecting, I created this tagline, more intelligent, more human. And the whole idea was when we're talking about artificial intelligence, what we were trying to do is not teach people hacks and shortcuts to cut staff and drive efficiency. It was this belief that we have this unique opportunity in marketing and in business to make everything we do more intelligent, to, to get smarter technology, to use data in more informed ways. And in the process, free brands up to become more human, to actually focus on empathy and community and things like that. So I kind of love as a lead into our conversation about AI today, just that it seems like that's the kind of organization you represent and the kind of brand that you're building, which is really cool. Yeah, thank you. And obviously, with the business lines, you have, you have a lot of data. So when we talk about AI, one of the core components is to have data. When I did some research on your organization in, in advance, when on LinkedIn, going to Sales Navigator, and you can kind of search for titles and everything. And 
Ally has 24 employees with artificial intelligence or machine learning in their title. You know, if you combine the two, there are nine working on conversational AI and then a digital content strategist dash AI. So can you talk a little bit about, I don't think the conversational AI people report in marketing, maybe they do, but I'm fascinated to actually learn about the organizational structure and where these people sit and what role they play in your strategy and vision for the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so obviously as a digitally native company, the importance of having a really significant, you know, kind of digital and and IT organization is critical. And we brought an amazing CIO in, and I guess it's been two years now. I think we are living in pandemic time, so we we lose track of time. (laughs) Satishem, he came over from Honeywell and uh, American Express before that, and really is our chief digital transformation officer more than anything else. And so probably we have such a large organization within IT, it would be hard to get to the nitty gritty in terms of everybody that's got AI in their title, but we've got everything from certainly conversational AI with our Ally Assist, which we launched several years ago. Is that Alexa Uh, powered? Is that what I Yeah, it's basically chatbot where you come in and can have a conversation with us in our channels. We have an AI center of excellence within Satish's organization that provides specialties, which is kind of cool. We have a lot of AI that we use to really look across processes and, you know, kind of to the point that you were making automate things that were manual processes, copying information from, you know, one system into another to make work easier. And then we've got a lot of, we're using a lot of AI, obviously for document management to extract ID numbers from documents, to be extracting things like income information, et cetera, to, you know, kind of read documents and take some of the human error factors out of the equation. We don't use AI at all to make financial decisions on loan approvals or credit line decisioning, rather really using AI to be able to empower conversations between customers and us, as well as using AI to really be able to make processes easier and make us move faster. About in the realm of like performance or creativity, I know I I was watching... It's pretty incredible talk on like future of advertising from WPP recently. And they were just talking about all the ways that AI is finding itself into the creation of advertising. Is that an area where you've started to look at either from a media buying budget allocation or assisting in the creativity of the ads? Is that something you've played around with at all? We haven't done that yet, but I'll tell you, we have used a lot of augmented reality and virtual reality persistently and consistently in in the seven-year tenure that I've had as CMO. And I'll give you a few examples. Probably about six years ago now, we created a virtual reality game that lived as an app on your phone. We launched it for the Super Bowl, but the cool thing about it is it only worked during the commercial breaks of the Super Bowl. And it was a way to interrupt what other marketers were doing. And it was a really cool game where we asked you to come in, tell us what you were saving for. And then you played this game where money rained down in whatever room you were in and and you had to catch it as fast as you could, put it in a virtual piggy bank. And the person, the top 10 people with the highest scores, we granted their savings wish. We took Monopoly a couple of years ago, which is a game about banking, and we built physical live Monopoly boards in six different cities, giant Monopoly boards, but it was all an augmented reality experience once you got to the pieces. So you used an app, 
and Mr. Monopoly would come to life and different pieces from the game would come to life and give you clues on how to go from board piece to board piece. We created an island in Animal Crossing. I heard that. Was that the Gary V one you were talking about that? My kids were obsessed with Animal Crossing. I was like, oh, I want to see it. We, we actually broke the game. Um, oh, my gosh. It's crazy. We've created a world in Minecraft called Fentropolis. So if you've got kids oh, that are... My son um, is obsessed. My daughter, too. Ten and nine. That's all they do is Minecraft. Tell them to look, download Fentropolis. It's a okay. game on financial literacy. But, That's you know, so the point is we've used technology like VR, AR, AI to engage people on a subject that is really important, financial literacy and managing your money. But it's a subject that people are apathetic about because it's not sexy and it's scary. And you don't want to have the money talk, especially with your banker. <laughs> right? Sure. And so that's been our door in. That's been really interesting. I know I'm kind of going on and on, but from in terms of how we've used AI creatively, we definitely have used it in CRM. Okay. So we've used a lot of tools from a CRM standpoint to bring in real-time information on creative messaging and optimization, whether it's a happy birthday email that will update depending on what time you open it, all the way to emails that will update based on when you've applied for a mortgage and where you're at in the process and kind of everything in between so that when we talk with you, we're talking to you in real terms and the information we're pushing at you does not seem dated. When you're doing these kind of innovative approaches, are you working with the CIO, Satish, and his team? Is it an outside agency? Because one of the challenges that I'm seeing is like we have been searching for CMOs who can talk about AI, and it's really hard to find. <laughs> and so what I've kind of started leaning toward is that it, I think it's actually the chief digital or chief digital transformation officer or the CIO where a lot of it is living, and then the CMOs are actually in partnership with these teams. How does that work? Like you have a vision for an idea, but you don't know how to execute it. You know, the data is required or, you know, how you're going to do it. Do you work with an outside team or is it in certain internal departments that are structured? It's, it's that largely way? An internal. I would characterize it as a blended approach. Okay. I think one of the things that Satish really liked when he decided to come over and join us was the partnership that could exist between he and I. And I think the brands that are winning are the brands where the CIO and the CMO are really tightly connected and share a vision for the technology roadmap and then have a great CFO, which we do, that believes in investment capacity and freeing up the right kind of investment capacity to power the things to set you up for the future. Yeah. So, you know, great example. And when I came in as a CMO and launched the first game that we did, that savings game during the Super Bowl that I mentioned to you, there are a lot of people internally that are like, why are we doing gaming? Like, this is so dumb. Why are you doing that? And we just came back from a leadership conference a couple of weeks ago and everyone was like, thank God you did what you did when you did it. What else are right? we doing in gaming? <laughs> yeah, because every brand is scrambling now yeah. to get to the metaverse. And I was going to say, are you in the metaverse yet? Are we like... I would submit that we were like probably one of the first banks in the metaverse and we were in the metaverse before it was even called the metaverse, right? I mean, we were doing digital outdoor boards within games. We were creating worlds and second digital brands for people to interact with. And so, yes, the relationship with Satish and the team allows us to take ideas and sit and talk through the best ways to bring them to life. But additionally, 
we do a lot of that on the marketing side as well. So for instance, we use Prasado to drive a lot of our ongoing oh, you do creative investment. Nice. Yeah. A lot of our ongoing messaging and optimization across many, many channels and to allow us to literally test hundreds of variations of marketing collateral. And so I think it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's really how brands are succeeding today. How is it affecting the way you look at the hiring process for your marketing talent and or the professional development you provide? Because, I mean, you may know, maybe Michigan State's doing this, but I've talked to a lot of universities. I have friends that are presidents of universities. There isn't that much innovative marketing curriculum being taught at scale at these universities. So the students aren't coming out knowing how to market in the metaverse, but they maybe they, they will live in the metaverse. How do you think about the future of marketing talent? Like, are you taking it on yourself and your team to develop people and help them think strategically about all these new places where you can be? Or are you hiring for people that have done this before? Is it a mix? You know, it's definitely a mix. So I happen to sit on the board of the Michigan State, the Communication Arts and Sciences, the Professional Advisory Board. And so we work really closely with Teresa Maston, who's the chair there, to help develop curriculum. And I think it's really important for marketers that are listening to this, that they're working with universities in some way, shape, or form, getting on those boards and helping shape the right kind of curriculum so that we're breeding the future of marketing to be prepared for the evolution that's occurring in front of us. I try and and allocate my time to two thirds of it doing my, what I call my day job, but a third of it really having an active learning agenda and spending as much time as I can, almost kind of training myself, reaching out to other brands. I'm not big in terms of necessarily going to conferences, but voracious in terms of reading and learning what other marketers have done, especially in this space or other companies have done. And then reaching out to them and kind of trying to be a sponge and learning from them. I had a Actually, I called this morning with somebody from AB and Bev, InBev that's doing some really breakthrough stuff. And, and I think that's a lot of the ways we're all learning from one another, listening to podcasts, doing these kinds of things. And then I think third is, is hiring different kind of people. So, for instance, we just hired a gaming team in my organization. They don't have any marketing experience. They're gamers. And they have a complete gaming background and they're just going to sit and their whole job all day is going to be to develop our gaming strategy, to figure out how to create an ally arcade, to figure out how we can stay current and really push into the spaces that we need to push into. And I know Satish is doing a lot of that as well, which is hiring outside of traditional industries so that we're ensuring we're getting best of breed thinking. I love that idea. I know like we just finished, we have a book coming out on marketing and AI in June and we have a section on talent. And one of the things I went and looked at is how many brands are actually hiring astrophysicists. So people are moving away from like modeling universe to personalized clothing apparel for people. You know, it's like you're hiring these different minds, different ways of thinking about things. But when you go down the path of personalization through data and predictions about behavior, you realize like, that's not a marketer. Like you actually need somebody who does that. So I I do, I'm always intrigued to talk to really forward thinking people and like, like, what does five years from now look like? Like, what is the marketing organization structured with and what people from these disciplines that you would have never thought about are key. And some of it is like these early bets, like you're making, like gaming is going to be big. Mobile is going to be big. Like you see out into like where you think it's going. And then you try and build a team of people who can help you bring that reality to life, which is a really cool way to look at it. 
Yeah. And I think the thing that's important is I think everybody has to realize you're going to be in a constant state of evolution now. Yeah. You know, there's no set it or forget it in our business anymore. Faster and faster. Change faster and faster. Move at the speed of culture. Move at the speed of the consumer. And then lean into the places where you can absorb knowledge. You know, next week we're actually doing a knowledge session with Accenture and they're going to come in and we're going to we're, you know, we bought a bunch of Oculuses and we're going to spend a half a day in the metaverse and develop a number of just kind of theoretical ideas and then do sprints against it as a marketing organization in partnership with our IT people to try to bring to life some of the ideas that day. And you just have to do a lot of that. There has to be a time allocation right now in our business to learning. And if not, it's really hard to keep up. Now, are you, when you're doing stuff like that with the sprints, are you working with Ally Ventures? Like I know you have the venture arm that does investments in startups and I know AI machine learning is one of the areas that they're focused on. Like, are you not only thinking about these ideas as campaigns, but like, hey, maybe we build something and like then the venture team gets pulled in or do you have any connection there? Yeah. So the way that the venture team works is the venture team really exists to make investments in fintechs as well as to find interesting startup resources that are out kind of in the landscape where they could bring back an expertise or specialty to us that might be useful. And we definitely have used, you know, some of the incubator ideas that have come out of these startups for different things across Ally. I think when we do things more like what we're going to do next week and these sprints, it's typically tends to be the folks that are across Satish's digital transformation organization, and then, you know, keep people within my organization that are tasked with kind of this innovative thinking and how do we reach the consumer? And we'll go out and develop the ideas and develop the sprints to that extent. And then, you know, we certainly will lean into right external resources, Accenture, as I mentioned, RGA is our digital agency. They've got, you know, some really significant chops in a lot of these areas. They've got creativity labs and innovation labs and, I think everybody's building those same kind of labs or has them. And I think it's right now, it's just, it's a lot of experimentation. It's a lot of learn fast and fail fast and figure out how to build the roadmap that allows you to stay current with what the consumer expectation is right now. And I think for marketers from a career perspective, realize how fast it's moving and look for organizations like Ally, where if this is the kind of thing that excites you, like you do have to be in organizations that support this. Like there are plenty, especially within your realm, like financial service, like they're not all forward thinking, nimble organizations. You know, if you want to be a part of where it's going, you have to be within environments that embrace change and, you know, really try and drive it too. So um, that's a great point. And it's one of the things we talk about all the time, which is when you get up in the morning, you're not comparing your experience with Ally versus your experience with Chase that day and Wells Fargo and Bank of America. You're going to get up and maybe you go into your Ally app and pay your auto loan. And then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to pop up and, you know, maybe pop into your Netflix app and decide what you're going to watch that night. You might DoorDash some food. You might jump onto the, you know, Nordstrom app, buy yourself a new pair of boots, you know, and then go into Apple News and read what's going on. Your experience with us is being compared against every great digital brand that you're dealing with during the course of the day. And so we have to think of ourselves in that regard, and we have to be developing a roadmap 
that is building us against the best digital experiences that are out there, regardless of category. And that's really the lens we kind of put on everything. That's, that's a, it might be the perfect way to wrap it. I, I think like I always tell people, I don't care if you're B2B or B2C, it's consumer expectations is what you're constantly striving to meet. If your expectation as consumer is the simplicity and convenience of all these brands you're just talking about and all those apps and experiences, and then you're a B2B market and you like go to your site and it's totally friction filled. Like there's nothing like you got problems. And, and so I think looking at the best consumer brands and how they're innovating to meet consumer expectations and the demand for personalization without invasion of privacy, that's a really hard threshold to get to as marketers, but that's what's expected of us now. Absolutely. You got to walk in the consumer shoes. You know, I mean, one of the things that I did at the beginning of this year is I told each one of my leaders, Go pick something you want to learn about as a team. I don't care what it is. And just go try and figure it out. Like go buy an NFT. Go buy some Oculuses and and spend a week in the metaverse. You know, go open a crypto account. Like go do all these things. See what consumers are doing right now. Figure it out from the consumer lens. You know, we sponsor, you know, we're the financial services sponsor of Twitch, you know, I'm like I said to my team, how many people have a Twitch subscription and are in Twitch playing? Not very many hands go up, right? So go for two weeks and go get into Twitch, go learn about it. It's one thing to have the platform present a bunch of slides to you. It's another thing to go experience it. And that's, I think, the best way to keep current in, in the world of marketing right now, which is evolving at a faster clip than it ever has in our history. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's what I tell people with artificial intelligence all the time. It's like, it seems this abstract thing. It's not. Just like, go get a free demo of a GPT-3 tool and let it write a draft outline for your blog post or let it create an ad. Or like, you have to see this stuff at work. You experience AI all the time in Gmail and Netflix and Spotify. Like, but you don't know and you don't understand what's happening. Go test a tool and see for yourself what it does and how it can drive a fish. Like, you're just not going to understand how I explain it to you. It's just not going to make sense until you do it yourself. So I think that's such a great way to teach people. Yeah, 100%. Well, Andrew, this has been amazing. I, I'm so grateful for your time. I love what you're doing. I'm a fan of the brand before I was aware of it. Now I understand <laughs> it and I, I'm a fan of what you're doing. I'm going to be following along. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights and your experiences with everyone. So very helpful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having us on. And maybe you'll open the bank account now. Uh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to have to go in and check it out. I'm going to uh, right have to download the- my Minecraft thing. I got my kids there. <laughs> got to go check out the island in Animal Crossing. You can do it my- right in the app in less than two minutes. So there I you go. I got my checklist. This has been the Marketing AI Show. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast if you're curious about AI. I want to continue exploring ways it can transform your business and your career. Andrea, thank you again. And thank you for everyone for being with us today. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening to the Marketing AI Show. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you're ready to continue your learning, head over to marketingaiinstitute.com. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, check out our free monthly webinars, and explore dozens of online courses and professional certifications. Until next time, stay curious and explore AI.